Welcome to the Theology in Practice podcast, a podcast that takes theology and applies it to the everyday Christian life. I'm your host, Anthony Kidd, and want to thank you for joining me. We're continuing our study in the book of John, and we introed last week with the end of John saying that the reason he's writing this book is to tell us that Jesus is the Christ and that believing in his name we will have life. And this week we're going to look at the very first uh, introduction, the first five verses of John. And the main idea of the first five verses here is that God and man join together in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus came to deliver us from death and darkness, and John is using this introduction to set up who Jesus is and what he's going to do on the earth. Now, much like an overture will introduce the setting and content of an opera, John is writing his prologue to preview his entire gospel. Verses 1 through 5 set up the person of Jesus Christ and why he took on flesh. Now, John is not writing from a historical perspective perspective to to give us a an overview or to give us a detailed summary of everything that happened in Jesus's life and ministry but rather uh, he is giving us a persuasive argument to why what we covered last week Jesus is the Christ the Son of God now John's prologue is written in what we call chiastic form a chiasm is a literary device that presents a set of statements and then in a second time, presents these same statements in reverse order. So in the case of John's prologue, we have A, B, C, and then D is the central statement, and then we go back and we, we recapitulate C, and then B, and then A. Now if you break it down, it looks like it looks a little bit like this. Section A is verses 1 through 5. The main topic there is who is Jesus. Section B is verses 6 through 8. John the Baptist is introduced in those verses. Section C is verses 9 through 11, and John tells us that the true light has come into the world. Section D is verses 12 and 13, and that's where he hits on his fundamental belief in Jesus as Savior. Section C goes back to the Word and the Word coming into the world uh, in flesh, and then and that's verse 14. Section B goes back to verse 15, where John the Baptist bore witness about the light, and then the conclusion is verses 16 through 18. That's back to section A, where Jesus Christ is the final revelation of God. So in verses 1 through 5, John introduces us with this idea of the Word. In his opening lines, he makes three distinct statements about the Word. He says, the Word was in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, calling someone or something the Word may seem strange in our common vernacular, but in the time that John was writing, it would have been a common cultural theme. The Assyrians believed that the Word was a cosmic power. The Greeks believed that the Word was an ordering principle of the world. The Stoics believed that the Word was a rational principle by which everything existed. Finally, the Jews believed that the Word was the active power of God by which everything was created and existed. This is why John so closely reflects the opening of Genesis. In the beginning, God spoke and God created, and then in John, we see that in the beginning was the Word. How do the Word and Jesus relate? In verse 14, John is going to tell us that the Word is going to become flesh and dwell among us. This is how we understand that this entire prologue is about the person of Jesus. 
So if Jesus is the Word, and the opening verse gave us those three attributes about the Word, then I think it's safe for us to conclude that John is also assigning these three attributes to the person of Jesus. So from the opening two verses, we can conclude that Jesus was eternal, Jesus was eternal with God, and Jesus is God. So let's look at these individually. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal because John says that in the beginning was the Word. So Arius once said, there was a time when he, talking about Jesus, was not. Because John 1 uh, focuses on Jesus being the Word and the Word being in the beginning, believing Christians cannot hold to this specific heresy, the heresy of Arianism. If Jesus is not eternal, then Jesus is not God. John is connecting Jesus to the creation of the world, and if everything is created through Jesus, then he exists before creation. Now, Jesus is eternal with God. The word with can also be translated as toward or facing toward. This understanding points to the triune nature of God. In Acts, Paul stood before the Areopagus and proclaimed to them that what they worshipped as the unknown God, he was declaring to them to be the God that created everything in whom they live and move and have their being. That's Acts 17, verses 23 through 28. Paul would also write, to those in the church at Colossae that Jesus was before all things and all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and visible through the person of Jesus. That's Colossians 1.16. This is the foundation for which we can conclude that Jesus has eternally been with God. The last statement, Jesus is God. This is the final statement that John makes about Jesus in his opening line, and the word was God. John has made the natural progression that could only lead to a claim of divinity for Christ. John's claim would be later used to defend against the heresies of docetism, which held that Jesus was not fully man, and Arianism, which we've just talked about, that held that Jesus was not fully God. Now, the rest of John's gospel will be centered around the fact that Jesus is God. Remember that John is not giving a historical presentation of the life of Jesus like the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is focusing on the stories that prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So in verses 3 through 5, we move from who Jesus is to what did Jesus do. Verses 1 and 2 have established who Jesus is. Verses 3 through 5 will focus on what he is doing in his time on earth. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus was not only present at creation, but he was also active in creation. It is through Christ that all things were made. That's verse 3. This statement, all things were made through Christ, leaves us with only two categories. There's the category of the creator and the category of the created. Everything that exists must fit into one of these two categories, creator or created. Now, inside of these two categories, we have all things that are not created and all things that are created. The things that are not created are the creator. The things that are created is the created. Now, if Jesus exists before all created things, that necessarily makes him the creator, not the created. Thus, Jesus is not just a God, as a translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses would use, but rather, Jesus is eternally with God. It follows that Jesus eternally is God. So, verse 3 focuses specifically on Jesus as the Creator. Verses 4 and 5 break down how he 
manages this role on earth. Jesus brings life and Jesus defeats darkness. Verses 4 and 5 will focus on these two aspects. So Jesus brings life and Jesus defeats death. Verses 4 and 5 bring a summary to the work that Jesus completed in coming to dwell on earth. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus was life as opposed to death and that in him this life was the light, opposite of darkness, of men. Death now is fundamentally defined as separation. When our physical bodies die, the soul is separated from the body. Similarly, when we are spiritually dead, as Ephesians 2, 1-3 tells us, then we are spiritually separated from God. Jesus is the reconciliation that brings us back to spiritual life. Not from anything that we have done, but purely by the grace of God is this resurrection to life possible. It is all the work of God so that no person has the power to boast. And that's from Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. If Jesus is the light that brings life, then his light has overcome the darkness of the world. That is what John tells us in verse 5. There's an interesting tense shift that happens in verse 5. John says that the light shines, that's in the present tense, in the darkness. The present tense tells us that Christ is still shining his light into the world today. It is a continual action that goes on. Then John says, and the darkness did not, past tense, overcome it. I use the CSB translation here for the last half of this verse because it better reflects the tense shift that John uses, and the subtle shift is a very important one. John is saying that Jesus came to earth and his light continues to shine on even today. However, the darkness tried to stop his work and was unable to overpower him. It does not say that the darkness is still trying to overpower him. The darkness tried and failed to overpower Christ. The work of darkness is finished. That brings more power to the cry of Jesus on the cross when he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. So as we wrap up these first five verses, we discuss that Jesus is eternal, and Jesus is eternally with God, and Jesus is eternally God. I also want to mention these four aspects of Christ that will be hit on in these first five verses. First is the finality of Christ. The work that Christ came to do put an end to our spiritual death. It allowed for us to be reconciled. It was the final work. It was the ultimate atonement for sin. That's what I mean when I talk about the finality of Christ. The next thing is the mystery of Christ. We know that Jesus was human, but John also claims that Jesus was God. This is the mystery of what we talked about as the hypostatic union. We don't know how this works together, but we know that Jesus is the only person who is fully God and fully man. And so we live in that mystery of, of who Christ is. The next thing is the centrality of Christ. Christ is the central point of all of Scripture. The Old Testament points forward to Christ, and the New Testament points back to Christ. Everything that is done in both the Old and New Testaments point to the person of Christ, making him the central figure of all of Scripture. And finally, we talk about the supremacy of Christ. The opening chapter of the book of Hebrews tells us that Christ is greater than Moses, Christ is greater than even the angels. Thus, we show the supremacy of Christ in all of Scripture. Thank you for joining the Theology in Practice podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you learn biblical truths and apply those biblical truths to your daily life.